This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Sister Christian by Night Ranger. This is one of many great songs that is part of the soundtrack to the film Air. Now, the Academy Award nominations came out yesterday, and Air, unless I missed something, did not get a single nomination in any category. Which, okay, maybe it's not Casablanca, and I haven't seen most of the other films that are nominated. But uh, I'm not sure how much time we're going to have to talk about Air from between now and the Academy Awards, so I figured we'd play a few songs from Air today. One, because they're great music. It's, it's great music and a lot of great 80s music, but also because Air may be just a thing of the past in short order. All right. I can't think of many investigative journalists I have higher regard for than Lee Fong. Uh, as far as what I as far as I'm concerned, what Lee Fong is doing along with others uh, like Matt Taibbi, like Michael Tracy, like Glenn Greenwald is really the future of media. I think gone are the days where people tune in to the evening news at 6:30 to hear uh, someone reading from a screen words that someone else has written on a network that is funded entirely by corporations. I think whether you're left, right, or heterodox, whether you're centrist, whatever the case may be, there's an increasing desire to see alternative viewpoints that don't have their paycheck dictated to them by a major corporation and instead have to go out and find an audience on their own. And there's nobody that does it better than Lee Fong. Lee, it is great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hey, Frank, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for those kind words. I got to say, love being on this program, love your independent voice, and uh, glad you're pushing for a Trump debate. You know, I got to hold these candidates accountable and you know that's the role of the media so good on you well i appreciate that and lee last last couple times you were on i think i referred to you as lee fang is the proper pronunciation of your last name fang or fang it's fang but it's spelled f-a-n-g so you know i sometimes i correct people sometimes i don't because you know i don't blame anyone for getting it wrong it's f-a-n-g 
but pronounced Fong. Gotcha. Okay, well, I appreciate Well, I apologize for calling you Fang last couple of times you were on the program, and thanks for being, um, you know, polite to not publicly correct me. Uh, let me ask you a little bit about this presidential race, because I know you've been covering it. You had a fascinating article a few days ago about all the dark money that is fueling Nikki Haley's campaign, and I thought this was so important, one, because I hadn't really seen this reported anywhere, but it's, I think it's also important because people that don't necessarily follow electoral politics super closely. They see Trump, who comes across as this bombastic, mean-spirited guy who bullies everyone, and it's very easy to portray him and see him as the bad guy. And you see Nikki Haley, who comes across as a modern 21st century woman, polite and exactly the kind of person you'd want on your corporate board, exactly the type of person you'd want uh, teaching your son in school. But I am concerned about a lot of where she has been policy-wise and a lot of her financial uh, connections to the military-industrial complex. What do we know about the role of dark money in her campaign, Lee? Well, look, Nikki Haley really is the candidate of big money in terms of who's financing her campaign. You can get into her policy background and her history later if you'd like, but just in terms of the numbers, who's powering her campaign, we've received, we've seen these reports of Wall Street and billionaires organizing kind of closed door fundraisers for her. You know, there's another one coming up this week. Um, But a number of the groups that flooded New Hampshire with television advertisements, with those door mailers, you know, those, those print things that are sent over the mail, with the, actually the people who are walking around knocking on doors, encouraging, who encourage people in New Hampshire to come out and vote for uh, Nikki Haley, they weren't funded by her campaign. Tens of millions of dollars were coming from groups where we don't know uh, the donors, we don't know the source. Um, some of this comes from late registered super PACs. These are super PACs which are technically disclosed, they have to file you know, reports with their donor disclosure, transparency kind of reports, but they were, they were formed just in the last month. So they kind of missed the registration deadline. So we don't know yet who's funding them. So they're effectively dark money organizations. One group called independence moving the needle. This is actually associated. It was registered by Jonathan Bush, a uh, cousin of former president, George W. Bush. They've uh, sponsored many of the TV ads. They're going out and, and, and pushing, Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Another big group is Americans for Prosperity Action. This is the organization that's formed by billionaire Charles Koch, one of the top 10 wealthiest people in this country. Uh, He's got this political organization that's been very powerful since the days of the Tea Party and early Obama administration. It's semi-disclosed, semi-secret. $25 million comes from a completely undisclosed um, 501c6. This is a nonprofit entity. They channeled it into New Hampshire, they're the ones actually funding a lot of the canvassing, the people knocking on doors, driving people to the polls, you know, doing a lot of the grassroots organizing. They've got a veterans organization out in New Hampshire that's helping Nikki Haley, a Latino organization, a women's organization. They're, they're very savvy in terms of micro-targeting their, their efforts. They don't put on their, on their badge or their symbol that, hey, we're funded by industrialist billionaires. Uh, they're very good at portraying themselves as a grassroots group. And, you know, just looking broadly, Nikki Haley, you know, like you, you mentioned, the, the military industrial complex. Yes. You know, after doling out hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies to Boeing, she goes to join the Boeing board. You know, Boeing, big 
part of their budget is not just building these commercial airliners. They build a lot of jets for the military, big military contractor. After she left office as UN ambassador, she was basically broke. Her family was going through bankruptcy. They were about to have their um, small business uh, repossessed and they were facing foreclosure. Suddenly she's worth many millions of dollars. She's got a $5 million mansion or $4 million mansion. Uh, You look at her disclosures, she's giving a lot of speeches and doing a lot of work with military contractors. Her, Her husband works for a kind of mysterious military contractor. No one knows exactly what they do or who they serve. We just know that they're, they self-identify as a military contractor. We, we see that she somehow made all these millions of dollars just in the last few years. Some of that's from Boeing. Some of that's from some of these you know, paid speeches. Uh, but we really don't know the extent of where she got this money. Well, I mean, that's quite alarming. So th- that one super PAC that you alluded to, I think you said the name was Independence Moving the Needle. That's spearheaded by Jonathan Bush, cousin of, of two Republican presidents who nobody in the Bush family, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell, has any history of being an independent. And yet, even though this is very much an establishment Republican group, they're out there. If you're just seeing who pays for these ads, you're out there thinking this is an ad paid for by independents. I mean, I I don't know that it gets much more dishonest than that. That's right. And then if you look at the ads, the majority of them are saying, hey, we're all we're a coalition of former Trump voters who are just so disgusted by Donald Trump that we're switching our vote to Nikki Haley. That's a very persuasive message. I'm not sure if it's honest. I'm not sure if Jonathan Bush and his cohort are former Trump voters who are switching their vote to Nikki Haley. Yeah. That's just what the kind of messaging they think will play in New Hampshire. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Lee Fong. Uh, you could check out his website and read a lot of his great journalism on a wide variety of subjects. Uh, go to Lee spelled fang f-a-n-g dot com some great stuff on there since you mentioned president trump a couple of uh, days ago you had a fascinating piece about the media and president trump a lot of trump supporters have come to view the conventional media cbs news cnn msnbc as exactly what president trump said it was which was the enemy of the people and having a relationship that is directly adversarial with president trump you've pointed out that the corporations that own these media companies actually did pretty well financially during the Trump administration. Um, How well did they do and what happened once Trump left office? Well, look, you know, there's a very public adversarial relationship between many journalists and TV hosts and pundits and Donald Trump and, you know, many reasons behind that. But part of this is perhaps some type of uh, political theater. At the end of the day, CNN, MSNBC, you know, even the New York Times, these are big publicly traded corporations that at the end of the day serve their shareholders. They have a fiduciary duty not to um, journalism, but to uh, helping their investors. And if you look at their investor reports, they have to publicly disclose this information. They never did so well as under Trump, both for his Trump, for the Trump uh, presidential campaign in 2015 and 2016. And uh, during the first few years of his administration, New York Times saw record uh, digital subscriptions. I mean, this went through the roof for the first time in its very long history. It really shifted from a ad-supported newspaper to a subscription-supported newspaper because it made such record profits on digital uh, subscriptions. Uh, same Same thing goes for CNN and MSNBC. I mean, these are two cable news outlets that have always lagged behind Fox News. 
until the Trump phenomenon. Finally, they kind of hit their stride as, you know, um, leaders of the, the, the resistance that would always posture and, and any kind of negative story on Trump, they would puff up. And some, some of which some of those stories um, turned out not to be true, uh, particularly around the Russia collusion, you know, steel dossier story. They were pushing these stories and getting a lot of eyeballs, a lot of attention, finally lapping Fox News, um, again, uh, generating a lot of profit for their parent corporations. Now that um, Biden's in office, they've lost a lot of that. The Washington Post uh, just went through another round of layoffs. Actually, today, Los Angeles Times record layoffs. Um, Viewership is down at all these networks. You know, I don't want to speak for the motivations of all journalists. There's a lot of talented journalists at these media outlets, people who are really fighting for the truth. But we we can't ignore the elephant in the room here. Uh, They work for corporations that really benefit from the theater, from the kind of back and forth uh, fights between Trump and the media. They're hoping to get those resistance eyeballs back, get those advertisers back uh, to get their viewership numbers back up. You know, it's such an interesting point that you raise. And we're talking with uh, Lee Fong. You know, it was said that during the 2016 campaign, if you include all the free media attention that Trump got, both favorable coverage and the bulk of it, which was unfavorable, that it was the equivalent of something like $4 billion worth of free television advertising that he'd gotten. And a lot of analysts said that's part of the reason why he was able to spend far less than not only Hillary Clinton, but all of his Republican primary opponents and still win it's obviously we've seen this kind of dance before in other circles where people pretend to be adversaries and then they're part of this mutual uh, benefit society. Is there is there any belief in your mind that the people that own these media outlets, the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, every, all these outlets that are very strongly anti-Trump, do you think there's a possibility, sincerely, that this could be professional wrestling, that they actually want Trump to win because it's better for their bottom line. Absolutely. I mean, how many journalists sold books in those first few years of the Trump campaign and presidency, some of which, you know, again, turned out to be based on uh, falsehoods. Uh, How many business executives uh, were reaping huge dividends and uh, higher stock prices because of the Trump bump, which is literally the term that they use in these investor right. calls, you know, in these publicly traded companies, they have to report their earnings every uh, every quarter. And you listen to these calls, they're uh, they're incredibly enthusiastic about this wave of coverage. So, you know, and actually one other, in terms of the kind of wrestling match, look at the former uh, chairman C- CEO of CBS News, Les Moonves. He was just explicitly telling uh, his investors that he was saying, thank God for the rancor, uh, referring to the Trump campaign. And another time saying that he was selling so many ads, calling the, the ad growth pretty phenomenal. He says explicitly, go Donald keep getting out there. I, I so, think you know, what, the, one of the things that Les was actually publicly quoted as saying was um, uh, on Donald Trump, it may not be good for America, but it's damn good for CBS. Is it any wonder they kept right. covering him? That's right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, is that really adversarial? It's uh, such such a, such a good point. You know, it's funny. Uh, it would anybody could see that once Trump became the nominee and certainly once he became president, 
the coverage of everything markedly shifted. I mean, once he would tweet something about anything, whether it was Meryl Streep or Kavefi, that would become front page news. Either people rushing to defend why he was um, wrong about the path of a hurricane or uh, denouncing him for whatever the latest thing that he'd done to hurt democracy. And I'll never forget, I picked up the, um, the, the, the New York Times did a story, I think it was December of 2017, maybe it was 2016, I think it was 2017. And, you know, I follow what goes on with UFOs pretty closely. And they had done a story about how we, the U.S. government, had secretly been funding UFO research for a decade. And, oh, by the way, here are some photos and here are some videos of naval pilots who've actually got images of UFOs. And people forgot about it in a day. And I remember saying to people at the time, I said, this is crazy. If this was any other era in American history, this would be front page news for five months. But Donald Trump's president, he just tweeted something crazy. Let's talk about that instead of one of the most remarkable stories in uh, modern American history. I don't mean to um, go off on a tangent, but what your, your analysis is spot on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we're in an attention economy, you know, whether it's social media or these tabloid stories that are surround, you know, tweets or whatever that Trump said or some insult that he's made, you know, it, it, people, we're all being distracted. And that's how media companies lure advertisers, whoever they can, however they can hold our attention. Uh, Trump is perfect for that because he can constantly flicker his lights and, and figure out how to redirect the narrative. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. All right. You had another great article that I don't want to let uh, our time together pass without asking you about. Moderna, the uh, very big drug company, they had apparently this surveillance operation that targeted independent media voices. What do we know about this? To me, this is quite alarming. Well, look, in the first few years of the pandemic, we really had a uh, uh, we had media that was operating off the same script and, and any kind of criticism of pandemic policies, whether those were masks, um, you know, lockdowns, uh, vaccine mandates, uh, any kind of criticism of the efficacy of the vaccines. You know, you, you were labeled uh, a hater, uh, you know, a conspiracy theorist, someone who's threatening public safety, and you were really marginalized. So, you know, the 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 criticism, the the, the public dissent for vaccine policy really bubbled up around independent media voices. Um, and, you know, I, I say that because it's interesting to get these files. I, I, I obtained some internal files from the vaccine maker Moderna, 
And they were keeping close tabs on these independent media voices, people like Alex Berenson, uh, like um, Michael Schellenberger, uh, like Russell Brand. And they were working with a NGO, a, a nonprofit, Public Good Projects, which has a long history of working with the social media companies to help them police alleged misinformation and disinformation, actually to advise them on, on what kind of contents what kind of accounts and content to shadow ban, to, to soft censor, and to outright ban. And so, you know, it's not clear exactly what they're doing now, but that's, that, this is a group that has a long history of doing that. They claim that, you know, they're now working with a network of 45,000 healthcare professionals to combat misinformation. And this, and this comes back to um, the, the, the profit motive of the pandemic and these vaccine policies. Unlike AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer, they, those are big established pharmaceutical companies with a lot of products. You know, the vaccine was a, was a, was a momentary, you know, surge in profits. But for Moderna, that's their entire, that's their entire thing. That's, that's their only approved product. And, you know, if you look at their investor reports, they're, they're terrified that people are not taking more boosters, that vaccines are not being sold. And so they're really attempting to control the narrative to get people to take more vaccines. Wow. And Lee, by the way, just if folks are wondering uh, if you're grinding some sort of ideological axe with your commentary or your reporting, how would you characterize your politics? I know how others characterize it. How would you characterize it? Well, look, I've spent the last, I've been a journalist for 15 years, and I've been largely categorized as progressive or left wing. Um, I've written for a very long time in a critical way about corporations, unearthed a lot of stories about the, the radical right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I try to keep an open mind. I try to be as independent as possible. And I'm nonpartisan. I, I go after both parties. Mm. I go after powerful people on both sides. So, I, you know, I'm left-leaning on some policy issues, some of my values perhaps, but I, I try to be fair to everyone. Well, and that's what I think makes you so refreshing. I hope people uh, check out Lee Fong's website and go to Lee fang.com. You can also sign up for his uh, email newsletter. There's a free option and a paid option as well. Lee, thanks as always. We'll talk soon. Hey, thank you so much, Frank. Take care. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, please do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 